Happy Memorial Day weekend. We're so glad that you're with us here today. And let me just take a minute and uh, thank you for those of you who served in the military. Uh, we, we celebrate you this weekend and we, we just, um, we're thankful for what you have done. We wouldn't be here without you today. And today we're going to be in the Old Testament. We're gonna be in the book of Ezra. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Ezra chapter one. And um, I guess it was about three weeks ago that Allie and I were coming home on a normal Thursday night. We were driving home and uh, before I knew it, man, we were in the middle of a doozy of a fight. Now, you know, she may look small, she may look petite, but she's feisty, right? And, and those of you who are in here today, you, you may go, well, we, you know, first service, they don't ever get in marital fights, but Second service, I know you guys, you guys may, have, you may know what I'm talking about here. So we were in the middle of just a doozy of a fight. And, and, and before we went to bed, we worked it out. We, we felt so much better about things. We had forgiven each other until Friday. And then Friday comes and we're driving to lunch. And, uh, and, and, and there we are. Before we know it, I think I said something. I, I don't remember what it was, although I'm quite certain if Allie was up here with me, she could tell you exactly what it was. Husbands, you know what I'm talking about here. And, and we're in the middle of a fight again. And all I could think was Pastor Tom Vermillion, just 11 years ago when we're in our premarital counseling, he says, he says, you scored the exact same on your personality profiles. You're gonna have harmony in your home and it's gonna be, it's gonna be easy in marriage. And all I could think it was Tom, are you serious, right? But we worked through things and we forgave each other until Saturday. And there we were again. I think I said something again. There I go, husband saying something. And we were in the middle of a fight again. And we were going, man, what is going on here? This is not normal for us. You see, about halfway through that fight, it dawned on me. There was opposition coming against us. And there was lots of great things that were happening around us, lots of new relationships that we were building. We were about, get, about to get ready to lead a marriage retreat. Hello, the next week. And there was opposition coming against us. And my guess is that you have experienced opposition in your life. Maybe you're in the middle of a season of opposition right now. And the title of today's message is just four short words. Are you on mission? Because you see, when we are on mission, we often encounter opposition. And that is the, that's the big idea for today. When you leave here today, you get in your car, I want you to remember that. When you are on mission, you're going to encounter opposition. So the question is, are you on mission? And that's a word that we hear in our world a lot today, mission, mission statements, right? My, my guess is you probably, at your company, you have some sort of mission statement. Let's do a little poll here. How many of you guys actually know what your mission statement of your company is? There's a few of you. I'm not sure if you're telling the truth, right? Mission, right? We talk about that a lot and, and we encounter opposition in our life. You, you have experienced opposition in your life. Just maybe it was like Allie and I, maybe you experienced opposition in your marriage. Maybe, maybe some of you are experiencing opposition right now in your job. Maybe some of you are seeing opposition in your kids' lives right now. Maybe, maybe you experienced opposition when, when you decided to start, start following God's ways and you see some of your family and your friends pushing back on you. What's What's the story on this? Why are, you, why are you following what the Bible has to say? You see, we, we all experience 
opposition in our life. And today I want to look at a text in the Old Testament that, that deals with opposition. And maybe by the time we leave here today, we can even view that opposition as an opportunity. And so let me catch you up on the story real quick. We see that the Old Testament is the story of God's chosen people, the Israelites or the, the Hebrews. And, and as we read through the Old Testament, we see, we see kind of this cycle that they go through where, where they follow God for a while and they turn back to him and then they turn away and, and they, they lapse into, into narrow-minded nationalism or sin. And God is he's, he's very gracious. He sends prophets often that help remind them what their mission is. By the time we get to the end of the book of Kings and Chronicles, man, God is just fed up with these people. They just keep turning away. And so he gives them over to the Babylonians. And they spend 70 long years. Look at your neighbor and say, 70 years. That's a whole generation. They spend 70 long years in exile. And the temple is torn down. And all of the things that have worth are taken for 70 years. They are a people without mission. But then we see that the Persians come in and the Persians overthrow the Babylonians and the, the spirit of God is working in, in, in a pagan king. And, and so he allows the, the, the Israelites to go back to their promised land and to rebuild the temple. And that's where we pick up today in Ezra chapter one, verse one. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you, all of his people, May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Skip down to verse five. Then rose up the heads of the father's house of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God has stirred up to go and to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. You see, God is doing great things here. He's given these people a mission. Now, some of you in here, you, you may think about that word mission and, and you may wonder, what, what's my mission, right? Some of us right now, you may be thinking, well, okay, my, my mission is to find the perfect job. It's out there somewhere. Others of you in here, you're thinking, if I can just find the right spouse, I will have completed the mission. Some of us in here, we're, we're, we're looking for the seven-figure income. That is our mission. Some of us in here, our mission is to get our kiddo a scholarship. So we're driving to Texas, New Mexico, you name it. That's our mission. But here, the people of God, they have a very clear mission for the first time in a long, long time. Their mission is to make this 900-mile, four-month journey. And they're taking families, and they're taking babies, and they'll take, they're taking old folks. And, and they're making this journey to go and re-inhabit the land that they should have always had. And they're called to rebuild the temple of God. And it's, it's interesting to understand why the temple was such a big deal. You see, the temple was really, it was what, what, what uh, made the people of God set apart from the people of the land. And so they, they had to do it. So they wanted to reinstill the sacrificial system. It's great news. 
clarity and mission. It was God-ordained. I watched a movie with Allie this past week, and it was really a fascinating movie. I really enjoyed it. It's called Hidden Figures. It tells the story of three black women during the 1960s at the space race. They worked for NASA. And those of you who are alive back then, you, you probably remember this, that there, there was real clarity and mission during that time, right? It was to beat the Russians into space, to bring a man back alive, to send him, send another man to the moon and bring him back because they thought that whoever controlled space controlled the world. It's kind of a funny thought right now, isn't it? And so I want you to take a look at, at a scene here in just a moment. We see, uh, we see that they are trying to get this man into space around the earth and then back again. It's clarity and mission. So you guys check out this clip about mission. You see, there is clarity and mission. What about you? Do you have clarity in your mission? Here at MidCities, we talk about the mission of being disciples who make disciples. That's what we ask you to do, to be a disciple, which is simply a follower of Jesus who makes disciples. And we do that through the vision that Pastor Daniel laid out several years ago of reaching and growing and sending. And we get that mission directly from Matthew 28. Jesus says to go, therefore, and make disciples. So look at your neighbor and say, you are on mission. You see, when we have clarity of mission, though, we often come across opposition. Ezra chapter 3. When the seventh month came and the children of Israel were in the town, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. Then arose Jeshua, the son of Jozadak, with his fellow priest, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, with his kinsmen, and they, uh, they built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it. As it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God, they set the altar in its place. Now listen to this. For fear was on them because of the people of the land. And they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord. Burnt offerings morning and evening. At this point, God's chosen people have completed the first part of the mission. But they, they are encountering opposition and for 20 long years while they're building the temple, they are encountering opposition. But if you actually read, you, you can see in, in Ezra chapter 4 and on, you see that it's, it's longer than 20 years. They actually, just, just for 20 years do they encounter it when they're building the temple, but it's over 100 years that they are dealing with opposition from these people. But opposition produces an opportunity to trust God. Opposition produces an opportunity to trust God. 900 miles, four months. And then Jeshua, who was, he was over the priest. He came from the line of Aaron. And, and then we see Zerubbabel, which I love that name. If Ali and I ever have a son, we will definitely name him Zerubbabel. But Zerubbabel, he was the civic leader and he came from the line of David. And they were resolute. Although fear was on them, they were resolute and they kept going. And I think today there's some of us in here that when we get clarity of mission, we just need to keep going. We may be fearful. That's okay. God is with you. Just keep going. I can relate to that. I can get fearful. 
I can get fearful when I share the gospel. What if somebody doesn't respond? I can get fearful when I, I sit down to read my kids a Bible story and they may ask me a question and I may not know it. And that will probably happen to you and that's okay. So you are the chief discipler in your kid's life. What if, what if I join a group and, 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 and I start sharing some of the things that God is doing in my life and somebody goes off and tells somebody else, what if? What if I jump in to start serving at this church and they treat me like my last church? What if, what if, what if, what if? You see, if we are on mission, we're going to encounter opposition, but it's an opportunity to trust God. Are you willing to trust him? Opposition will come, but God would call you to be resolute. And then we pick it up in chapter four. Now, when the adversaries, listen to that word. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the the returned exiles were building the temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's house and said to them, let us build with you for we worship your God as you do. And we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the father's house in Israel said to them, you have, uh, you have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia." You see, these were adversaries and they were trying to pose like they were going to help the Hebrews. They wanted them to think that they were going to be a part of the mission. And you have experienced this. You've experienced this in your own life. You have people that come into your life and, 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 and you think that they're going to be a help to you. And then you realize halfway through, these people are actually here to frustrate me, frustrate the mission. And that's what these people tried to do. They tried to bribe their way in. They tried to infiltrate, but opposition produces an opportunity to wait on God. Opportunity, opposition produces an opportunity to wait on God. See, clarity and mission will give you an opportunity to wait on him. And some of us in here, some of us are in the middle of waiting on God. Maybe, maybe you are single in here and, and you've asked the Lord for years. You've asked God, God, where, where's the spouse? And well-meaning people come up to you and they say, they say, when are you gonna get married? And you ask God, are you willing to wait on him? Maybe some of us in here have, have shared the gospel with our family and our friends and we've prayed for them for years. We've lived our life in a way that, that hopefully they see Jesus in us and, and their heart hasn't changed. Are you gonna wait on him? Maybe some of us in here have been begging God for a child. We've prayed for years and years and years. And it seems like it'd be easy to just settle. Are you gonna wait on God? You see here, the people of God they wait on God. Now, it's a fun little time in the Strand House. Uh, every year, 
about the beginning of June, the end of May, you see we have a, a plum tree in our backyard. Now, I would like to tell you that we have more than one, but when we moved in nine years ago, uh, Allie's grandfather gave us seven different fruit trees. And, and somehow or another, the strand green thumb has killed off six of them, but we have one that's survived. And it's a, it's a Santa Rosa plum tree, and you can see a picture of it right up here. And it produces, it produces hundreds and hundreds of plums. I've got just some of the little harvest right here. And it's interesting because a few years ago, we had, a, uh, we had a late freeze in April, and it killed off all of the buds that would have produced the fruit. And so we watched what happened that year. There was not a single plum on there. But something miraculous happens in fruit trees. You see, when when all the buds are killed off because of a late freeze, they, 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 uh, they actually form these little nodules all over the tree called scions. And for an entire year, this energy that would have produced these, this, this, this harvest, it actually pulsates through the whole tree until the next year. Bam! There's this cornucopia of, of fruit, double the amount that would have come the year before. And I think that when we wait on God, he's ready to bless us. So for some of us in here, are you willing to wait on God? I've got plenty of plums, so I'm just gonna give out a little today. Here you go, Bob. There you go. Thank you, sir. Come to church, get a plum. There you go. But are you willing, are you willing to wait on God? You see, you're gonna encounter opposition in this world. Are you willing to wait on him. Ezra chapter 5. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Idu, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, who was over them. And then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Jozadak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. At the same time, Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, and Shethar Bozani and their associates came to them and spoke to them thus, who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? They also asked them this, what are the names of the men who are building this building? Listen to this. But the eyes of their God was on the elders of the Jews. And they did not stop them until the report should reach Darius. And then an answer be returned by the letter concerning it. See, the people of God waited on God and he came through. And if you read through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, you'll see a trend. You'll see, there's a few short words that you'll see over and over and over again. It was that the hand of God was on them. And the eye of God was on them. The hand of God was, was providentially providing for them. And the eye of God was blessing them. And God was at work in spite of the opposition. He delivers through a pagan king. Not only is the mission completed, but we see that that all the supplies needed for the temple were, were given out of the storehouse of the king. And there's truths that we can find in this Old Testament narrative. 
truths are this, that one, we have been called to a mission. And for you today, that would be to be a disciple who makes disciples. The second part of that is opposition is sure to come. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You will encounter opposition. But the eye of God is on you. Listen to this, church. He is for you. And some 2,000 years ago, he sent a man named Jesus. And Jesus dealt with all kinds of opposition. But he was victorious. And he died on the cross for you and for me. And so we can know that. And we can walk in that. I love Ezra 5. Verse five, because there's a little cross-reference. If you notice right next to that verse, there's a little cross-reference that points over to Psalm 33, verse 18. Let's read that. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart is glad in him because we trust his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. I wanna close out our time today. And I wanna just pray for two different groups of people in here. See, there's, there's probably some of us in here who we, while we are doing lots of things in life, we're busy. We're not on mission. We're not being a disciple who makes disciples. That's what you are called to do. And I think there's some of us in here today that know it. And if that's you, I'm just gonna ask everyone in here to just bow their head. And if that's you, if you feel like I have not been living on mission, I want you to just raise your hand, slip it up. I wanna pray for you. Father, thank you for these men and women, God, who are just honest. And Lord, they want, They want to be on the mission of God. God, would you help them? Would you help them to be a disciple who makes disciples? Father, we thank you for this church and for the clarity of vision on how we do that. And so God, would you lead them and guide them as they study your word, as they get in groups. Lord, we just pray that you would help us to be on mission. In Jesus' name. There's another group of us in here that we're just walking through a season of opposition and we just know it. Everywhere we go, everywhere we turn, it's just negative. I wanna pray for you today. Just ask that God would do what he's already done, which is be victorious. So if that's you, I'm just gonna ask everyone in the room to just bow your head. If you feel like you're in a season of opposition right now and you need God to deliver, need God to have his eye on you. Just raise your hand if that's you. Father, thank you for these men and these women, God, who who trust you, who are willing to wait on you. And God, we come to you right now and we ask for you to deliver. God, we ask that you would do what you've already done 2,000 years ago. God, bring victory. And we thank you, Lord, that 
you are with us and you are for us. And so today, God, we trust you and we love you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus.